HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. The great state of Wisconsin is home to the only master cheesemaking program outside of Switzerland. Learn more about Wisconsin's cheesemaking history at wisconsincheese.com. Hardcore is a new series from Heritage Radio Network. Over six episodes, we're taking a close look at the rebirth of American cider. Really, it wasn't until about 10 years ago that cider started to be revitalized in the United States. From the science of fermentation. So yeast, it's a fungus. It's a unicellular fungus. To the magic of terroir. What really excites us is thinking about communicating that very sort of spiritual aspect of knowing a piece of land. We're setting aside our cider donuts to gain a deeper understanding of this singular beverage. I love a cider donut. You don't have to have a cider donut with your cider, and I will die on that point. Subscribe to Hardcore wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Elena Santagade. My guests today are budding cheesemaking entrepreneurs. Amanda Heilman is the head cheesemaker at the University of Delaware's U Dairy Creamery, and Jennifer Rodimer is the plant manager. The cheesemaking component of the university's dairy debuted this past summer with fresh cheese curds, and just last month, the creamery released its first aged farmstead cheese for sale, Delaware Gold, a two-month-old farmstead cow's milk cheese. I'm excited to hear about all of the inspiration and preparation that went into building a cheesemaking component to this university dairy, and how can programs like this keep the artisan cheesemaking industry growing and innovating in the future? So Amanda and Jen, welcome to Cutting the Curd. Thanks for having us. Hi. So let's uh, jump right in, and I'm I'm so curious to hear about how cheese making made it into the mix at the university. I mean, uh, it's common for university dairies to be making ice cream, which I know that you guys also do. Um, but how did cheese making enter the sort of the whole flow there? Sure. So um, the U Dairy Creamery kind of started with a group of students that had an idea for, you know, creating some items that would be value added 
products to help support our research farm, um, you know, both financially but also educationally. Mm-hmm. And we started with the idea of ice cream with always the hope in the future to grow and expand our product line, um, make different dairy products and offer, you know, that educational opportunity. And so ice cream was a little bit easier to get started with. Um, right now we're just freezing a pre-made mix and flavoring it. Mm-hmm. With cheese, it was kind of the first opportunity to actually teach from the raw milk product to mm-hmm. a finished, um, you know, something that you can put on the shelf and sell. So part of it was time and fundraising. Mm-hmm. Um, but once we were able to get all the funding together, that's when we really took the steps and started construction. So, so it's always been in the plans, but uh, it took a little bit to get there. How did you get the funding in line? I mean, it's kind of amazing that this began with the students, and now you're you actually have a cheese making facility and an aged cheese at that. Um, how did you go about securing funding? Did you have a champion on the faculty side of things? Um, was the administration totally open to the idea, or was it something you had to really convince people of? I think it was everybody was on board. It was just a matter of how we were going to get there. Mm-hmm. So um, it was the University of Delaware offers, it's called a Unidel grant every year. And so any group on campus can write an application, um, you know, and it's a fund that they divvy out to different scholarships, different mm. projects. Um, so that funded part of the project. And then it was actually some private donors that were very generous. Um, so the space itself is the Pat and Charles Gennardi um, Innovation Laboratory, and so they were our main sponsors for it. Um, You know, they put in a very generous donation, um, and they're really excited to see kind of the growth and the educational opportunities for students. Wow. So we're, our Pat and, and, sorry, what are the two names? Sorry, Pat and Charles. Pat and Charles Donardi. So are they um, in the cheese-making world? Are they dairy people? What's what's the draw there for them? Sure. So they're uh, University of Delaware graduates, um, and they have always been uh, involved in the College of Agriculture and always felt it was important to kind of give back to that part of it since agriculture in colleges seems to be kind of a diminishing uh, mm-hmm. And numbers and all that kind of thing. So um, they actually owned a set of uh, grocery stores in the Pennsylvania area and sold them a while back um, and have just kind of been looking for opportunities to get back to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've always had a draw to the university and a draw to the agricultural side of everything um, and really, you know, got talking with our dean, um, who really was, he was great at selling our story. So mm. um, I think that that really drew them in. And of the small group of students who, you know, sort of championed this idea from the beginning, I assume you both were in that small group. Did you, um, you know, how did you organize your thoughts? How did you think of, uh, you know, really telling that story in a way that got the dean and then the funders on board? So it actually goes back to about 2008 was when the concept first came about. Um, It was actually a group of four students who um, have since graduated, but they saw the storefront open. I was not involved, nor Amanda, actually. Um, I was a student scooping ice cream for a little while and then Mm -hmm. made my way through management, working with our events, and then later our retail and now the plant. And Amanda actually joined us um, from the University of Maryland. So Mm -hmm. she had been out in the field in the industry and kind of doing cheese making as a hobby. Mm -hmm. And she found us at the right time. Um, But the whole idea and the concept really, you know, it's something that 
they worked on a business plan for a class project. Um, hmm. When they presented that to the faculty and staff, they gathered a committee together. They wrote the application for a grant for the storefront building. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, really worked to make it a student-run business. So they originally started with all students and one manager. Um, through the years, we've grown. <laughs> so we've added to that staffing, but it's still right. primarily students that are doing everything. So, Jen, you as the plant manager... Are you managing other full-time staffers or part-time staffers, or are you mostly managing students as they're coming through and kind of learning the ins and outs of the plant? So a little bit of both. Um, I have Amanda, who's our head cheesemaker, and Sam, who is our lab coordinator. Um, They're my two full-time. Everybody else is a student. So we have five dedicated interns right now that are just for cheesemaking, and then we have about... 100 students that work at our retail side, and a few of them are able to come over and kind of see a different side of the um, ice cream making process in, in addition to the cheese making process. And how much does the cheese making overlap with the animal husbandry piece? You know, your, the farm program, the, the whole idea of having that farm right there in the university world as well. So it's still pretty young. Um, The facility was just finished this summer, so Mm -hmm. we're working on incorporating it more so into the classroom. Um, A little bit of it, um, when the interns are helping us pick up milk, we actually take a truck over to the farm and pick it up ourselves, so it's not like a tanker's bringing it in or anything Mm -hmm. like that. So they're definitely seeing that hands-on side of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Students are pretty involved coursework. There's a dairy production class that, you know, they all come in for a milking shift so they get to see that side of it. Nice. So we've had a couple that overlapped, and they took that class, and now they're helping us out with uh, production. Mm -hmm. So Um, they're seeing through, like, various points in the uh, process there. Correct. Yeah, they get to see both sides. And then um, we kind of showed them, like, we had to get our milk hauler samplers licenses. Mm-hmm. Um, so we take them through that process as well with testing for antibiotics and the proper way to pick up milk from dairy farms. So Very cool. Um, they're not just learning how to che- make cheese. They get to learn the full process. Right, how to really be a cheesemaker and understand the business side of it as well, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, um, Amanda, Jen mentioned that you'd come from the University of Maryland and that you had been a hobbyist sort of cheesemaker. Is this your first head cheesemaker gig? <laughs> yeah, this is my first gig. This is my first aid gig. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, yeah, I, was, I went to the University of Maryland. Um, I studied agriculture, so I was animal science and ag science majors. And then I had been working in the industry uh, with farmers mm-hmm. for the past uh, eight years. Um, out of college, uh, doing crop consulting, selling seed. Hmm. Um, so I was technically an agronomist, mm-hmm. um, but I lived on a dairy farm with my boyfriend. It's his. He's a sixth generation farmer, so um, hmm. his family dairy roots run deep. And uh, we. It, that's kind of how it started with me. I started hmm. messing with milk from the farm, um, right. just whether I was making mozzarella for dinner or, um, you know, just playing around with stuff. And that's kind of where my cheese making interest. <laughs> so interesting. So yeah. um, I'm curious to hear about like, how did you as you, you know, found this opportunity at the University of Delaware? How, you know, I know that you did this one fun thing to prepare and that you went and visited um, our friend Andy Hatch at Uplands Cheese Company uh, to get a sense of his operation. Did you? Was that the main sort of cheese visit or stage that you did? Or did you visit? Cheesemakers, how did you prepare for the, your role? Um, well, actually, um, before this be- came about, because this came about very quickly, and um, 
uh, what happened was it was about, uh, I'd say, a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, my boyfriend and I were looking at um, options if we were to start a creamery at the farm. And um, we both love cows. We show our registered Guernseys at our county and state fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I, I had judged cows in college at World Dairy Expo, and I had been wanting to take him back out there and show him World Dairy Expo and then... I was like, well, you know what? I was like, we can hit all my favorite creameries on the way out there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I love Vermont as well for Mm -hmm. doing uh, cheese tours, but I feel like Wisconsin's more his style with the beer and the cheddars. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we went out there, and we actually traveled around um, to a few, um, Chris Raleigh, Emmy Roth, Mm -hmm. uh, Uplands with Andy Hatch. And the most amazing tri- or visit we did was with Andy Hatch because I had emailed him the day before asking, and I felt bad asking, you know, last minute, you know, could we get a tour? And right. he just, he emailed me right back within five minutes and was like, sure, come on in at this time. I've got this. And I mean, wow. he probably spent an hour and a half to two hours with us giving a tour, giving us a tour while mm-hmm. they were making cheese. Um, you know, they were making their Rush Creek Reserve, and mm-hmm. um, it was just amazing to see his facility and what they're doing there. Was so. there anything about how he was operating or any of the cheesemakers that you sounded like you visited some amazing Wisconsin cheesemakers that that list yeah. is all the pros. So is there were, were there any standout details that um, really informed how you're doing things now at U, uh, University of um, Delaware? I think what I believe in most with cheesemaking is that good milk comes from good cows or good cheese comes from good milk, which mm-hmm. comes from good cows. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I loved was that Andy was farmstead and we're farmstead here at Delaware. We we're keeping that value, um, mm-hmm. you know, alive and showing students where the milk comes from. Um, so I think that's awesome that we're, we're keeping true to that. Definitely. Um, wow. Well, it, we're already ready for a quick break. So we're actually going to jump over to that and we'll be back in a moment with more on this University of Delaware cheesemaking program and everything it entails. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that 90% of Wisconsin's milk is made into cheese? And this is not just any milk. When Swiss, German, and Italian cheesemakers first settled into Wisconsin, they chose their new home because of the special terroir of the region. Its soil and water are nurtured by the goodness of glacial sediment, and those elements lend themselves to the very best milk. Today, Wisconsin produces 25% of all cheeses made in the U.S., and Wisconsin cheeses have won more awards than any other state or country in the world. How did they do it? Wisconsin cheesemakers combine their heritage and tradition with nonstop innovation. They were the first state to establish cheese grade standards and the first to require that every cheese plant be overseen by a licensed cheesemaker. Wisconsin is the only place outside of Europe where one can pursue an elite master cheesemaker certification. All of these impeccably high standards mean Wisconsin produces more than 48% of the nation's specialty cheese. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm Elena Santigade, and in case you're just jumping in, my guests today are Amanda Heilman, head cheesemaker at the University of Delaware, and the plant manager, Jennifer Rodmer. Jen, am I saying your last name right? You are, and I'm very impressed. Wow. I can't believe it. <laughs> Listeners, normally I verify that kind of information before the show, but we just jumped right in. <laughs> 
Um, so right before the break, we were talking about how, Amanda, you were saying, you know, one thing that really struck you in your tour of Wisconsin and visiting other cheesemakers was like the value of that original milk and the, the quality of life of the cows and how having a farmstead operation can really achieve that. You, I think, Jen, you, you mentioned that the farmstead part of all of this also is pretty new, right? It just, you just launched that uh, this summer. So the farm has been here for what feels like forever, but the farm's been here for about 150 years. Oh, my um, word. The plant <laughs> itself that is Okay, new. okay, so, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So on the farm side, the thing I'm curious to hear more about is how, um, you know, how you, you mentioned that you have some students who have you know, milked the cows and have kind of come from that side of things and are now um, thinking about cheese making. And I, I also saw that you have two cheese making courses kind of like coming up on the docket. Are you seeing a, kind of like a farmstead cheese making track emerge now that you have these options from students? Or is that kind of a goal that you're aiming toward as the next step? It's definitely a goal we're aiming towards. Um, we Really, our food science program is pretty small right now and it's mm-hmm. uh, very focused on the microbiology side of things which mm. is great and we have some really awesome professors here um, we're seeing with students that the trend is everyone wants to learn a lot about product development and processing mm. um, and there's a need for it um, you know on a smaller farmstead side as well as in a larger um, production side so for us it's definitely you know kind of starting with getting our food science students involved um, and you know, maybe one day we'll have a dairy science program or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think it's more of a goal that we would love to achieve, um, but also will probably take a little time to get there. Yeah, I mean, personally, I think it's really exciting because of just like it's very the science side of. I mean, all sides of farmstead cheese making could be daunting, depending on who you are and what your background is. But, you know, it's it's sort of, there are a lot of components to that work, and it feels like having a university setting that's not only for, focused on large-scale production, but actually could be focused on more of that entrepreneurial approach of, like, here's how a small, you could run a small farmstead creamery um that seems totally unique really exciting yeah it's definitely something for us that you know we want to make it realistic for someone to come in and Mm -hmm. say okay even though this plant is larger scale and you know we're doing more a lot of that's because we want to be able to teach more Mm -hmm. um you know but we also want to be realistic and say you don't have to go this extreme you can do this you know on a tighter budget with fewer, you know, yeah. fancy, shiny things. Mm-hmm. We've, and we've visited creameries ourselves where we're seeing them do a little less and a little more. So we're kind of hoping that we can bring back those ideas too through pictures or, you know, just talking to them about stuff we've seen mm-hmm. on how they could, you know, cut some corners to save some money on starting up and stuff. So. Right, right. Um, that's great. That's uh, that's the kind of information that I feel like is passed down a lot just from farmstead cheesemaker to farmstead cheesemaker. So it's great to have people who are just new to the idea of it even learning the ways to pull it off. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's talk a little bit about the cheese. How did you decide what to make? Tell me about how the fresh curds have gone over on campus. Are, are students like is there like poutine everywhere? 
<laughs> or, oh, I wish. <laughs> right? It's like, imagine oh, the dining halls. I, I have I have these <laughs> dreams of like poutine being the daily special at every dining hall at the University of Delaware. <laughs> We're hoping one day. Nice. <laughs> Another good um, goal. We started with, um, well, when I got here, I, I was um, hired under the notion that I was supposed to make cheddar and gouda are the two cheeses that they would like to have mm-hmm. at the school to be offered. Um, and then we, so we started with cheese curds because we figured that would be easiest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we flavored two of them. So we have three varieties of cheese curds. We have a plain. And then um, if you're from the Mid-Atlantic, you put Old Bay on everything. Mm. So we have Old Bay cheese curds. Yeah, I support that. Um, and then we also have a ranch. Mm. So um, those are packaged individually in uh, four ounce and eight ounce containers, and they're mm-hmm. sold in our ice cream store. And then they are also being spread um, throughout campus in what are called our pod markets. Nice. Um, which is kind of like a small mini market yeah. that students can um, shop at. And then they are also being used through dining um, selectively right now. So. Okay. Very cool. I like that you're using. You know, there's a lot of channels there in a university. It's like a little world in and of itself. So that sounds great. Yeah, and they're perfect for um, snacking. And then the cool thing is um, for athletics, the nutritionists on the athletics um, teams are, um, they basically like, you know, sectioned out how much the athletes could have each day. So they're getting curds made specifically Whoa. for the athletes in certain ounces. That is so cool. I'm going to start, yeah, fo- I'm gonna start following, snack. like, <laughs> is the University of Delaware sports program about to take the world by storm? Yep. <laughs> I love yeah, it. We need like a banner that says fueled by cheese curds. Yes. Yes. Please make that banner. That's the next, that's the next funding campaign that you need to kick off, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we started with the cheese curds and, um, it's been interesting when they first started in the summer, I don't think a lot of students, uh, knew what they were. If you're mm. not from the Midwest, you're right. kind of like, uh, what is that? Um, so we've had a little bit of a learning curve. We had to explain it a few times and then we did samples at the store so people could taste them. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's starting to catch on. And then we've also had a lot of people from the community that either, relocated from the Midwest mm. or remember traveling to the Midwest and they will come in and buy them by the bin full. They're just like, give me all the cheese curds. So, <laughs> <laughs> if you're from the Midwest, you definitely like, it's a memory that oh, yes. you hold very dear to your heart. <laughs> very, very dear. That sounds so good. And so then you also have this Delaware Gold, the new aged cheese that you've recently debuted, right? Um, Delaware Gold is a Colby style, mm-hmm. um, and the reason um, we went with a Colby style over a cheddar was um, we started making it, and we realized like our uh, acidity was dropping a lot in our mm-hmm. vat because we were taking a little bit longer to get it out, just with like learning curves and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just figured if we did a wash curd cheese, it would help us with that, and it actually turned out to be a lot creamier. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good snacking cheese, and it melts great on like grilled cheeses and stuff. So we're thinking that's something that might stick around for a while because everybody seems to really like it you know I feel like uh, it doesn't get talked about the fact that the fact that the Colby style cheese is a washed curd cheese much like a gouda doesn't often get talked about so that's also interesting if one of your you know it's like your end goals are gouda and cheddar and you're kind of making cheeses that have those those, yeah yeah, those cheese making (laughs) steps yeah just sort of like uh you're like on the training wheels versions right (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, and we're still so with the Gouda, um, we're hoping to debut that in 2020. We're mm-hmm. still um, pr- we're purchasing more equipment to be used like a draining table for the Gouda. Okay. Um, we didn't have that previously, so we just purchased that, and hopefully in uh, 2020 we'll be able to start our Gouda um, nice. line. Wow, that'll be great. And will it be? What's the rind like on the Gouda? What What will that be like? We're hoping um, it'll be, so we are doing our aged uh, Colby in the vacuum sealed bag, Mm -hmm. uh, and the Gouda will be vacuum sealed as well, just Mm -hmm. because we don't have enough aging space um, right now, but um, we are doing a curing step before we put it into the bag, so we're doing a salt brine wash before it goes into the bag. Great. That's so awesome. And are you, so how are you developing your own recipes? Is that, is that a step? Is that like part of the process that the students are helping with a fair amount? Or is that more you, Amanda and Jen, and maybe, you know, like more of a small team? Um, I would say it was more me and Jen Mm -hmm. um, to start and it'll probably change as we go on and get a little bit more, you know, comfortable here with, you know, our day to day stuff. Um, We just started making the cheese in July. So still very new to it. But um, with the Colby, we kind of worked with that recipe. I know that they, Jen, um, prior to me getting here, they had went and tasted some cheeses they liked. Mm-hmm. Um, for picking out cultures. They were like, we want something similar to this. So our Colby is a little bit sweeter than a normal Colby. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like I said, we went with the Warch curd style instead of the cheddar. Um, and then with the Gouda, we're hoping to age that out and have maybe like a reserve later on that's, um, you know, a little bit more butterscotchy and crystallized. Ooh, fun. fun. I, I could see like, yeah, I could see like different alumni wanting to buy the reserve of the year that they graduated, you know, like that's a perfect, that's oh, like yeah, that's a, a, really cool idea. a fun, um, like alumni gift or something like that, or freshman, you know, year or something like that. Keep your like cheese sticker from your first piece of aged Gouda. <laughs> yes. And um, side note, what we are doing for the holiday season is we decided to do some gift boxes. Oh, cool. Um, we are doing cheese gift boxes and we are currently in the process of putting them together in these next two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a gift box where we are actually going to wax our blocks of cheese. Mm. And um, we have our Delaware Gold that'll be waxed in blue. And then we have two flavored Colby's, one's like a bruschetta style that'll be waxed in green. And then we have an eight pepper, kind of a warm spice cheese that'll mm-hmm. be waxed in red. Very fun. So, so, yeah. And we you... also have um, honey from the school's farm on there as well. Oh, wow. So you have bees too. There's so much. Yeah. <laughs> so on that note, you know, like in terms of selling gift boxes and also, you know, like moving the cheese through the different channels around the university. Are you two also heavily involved in like the, the finances of, uh, of the dairy of, are you, is that sort of a separate entity and kind of, are you operating it as its own little business within the university? Yes. So the Dairy Creamery is owned by the College of Agriculture and Natural Resources, Mm -hmm. but, um, we're self-sustaining. So we're responsible for our own you know, financials as far as income and paying everybody and paying for your ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, the last couple of years, anything that came in um, above and beyond, you know, what covered our expenses was going back into either the dairy to help purchase something like feed or different things like that. Um, and more recently, it's been going towards the plant and just the renovations that we've been going through. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything that, you know, comes back in through sales of ice cream and cheese is going either 
to fund more educational opportunities or programs or help support um, programs that we have that are established. Very cool. So are you, do you feel like you're also getting, it sounds like there's like a little bit of a small business management education going on <laughs> for you two even. <laughs> yes, definitely. Students are um, heavily involved. So when the storefront opened, um, it was a group of four students that really were kind of heading up the project. And since then, we've always had interns that are part of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, one's a food science intern. So they help with flavor development. One is kind of like a assistant manager, business management intern. They help with, you know, employee retention and, you know, employee morale, as well as writing policies and procedures and training manuals. Wow. Um, and we've, we've also had a marketing and social media intern that helps us with, you know, our Facebook, our Instagram, everything like that. Wow. Totally a full, full scope here. I think it's <laughs> just really, really exciting. So what would, my next question is more for each of you, what would you say has been something unexpected that's come out of this process. It sounds like you've, you know, you've each come into it in a different way. Jen, you've been there for a while. So you've seen this sort of in the works for a long time. Was there something I'm wondering for you, was there something that just turned out much differently from how you expected it to, or a way that you might feel about the work or what you're doing? And um, Amanda, same goes for you, maybe more on like the cheesemaking side of it. Now that you're a full-blown cheesemaker, is there anything that you kind of like didn't anticipate about that role? Um, so I would say for myself, uh, the most shocking part is sometimes that where I am today, Mm. Um, you know, I really started scooping ice cream just thinking it was a part-time job on campus. And Mm. here I am managing our plant operation, which, um, you know, I never really envisioned for myself, but it's been an amazing experience. um, And I'm really excited to be a part of it. Mm. Um, It just definitely was, you know, I just never saw myself here. Do you feel like it was like one, it it was like the scooping ice cream was the first step and then you just kind of like continued to be interested? Was it more like a step-by-step process and then suddenly you're here you are? Or did you at some point have kind of a vision for like, oh, I have, I see a career path here? I think it was definitely a step-by-step. You know, every year we've just grown so much in the little time that we've been operating. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, the storefront only opened in 2011, so, you know, we're going on nine years this year of having that storefront, and, you know, I kind of just watched myself go from, like, well, I I care about this a little more, and Mm -hmm. I want to get involved a little more, and, Mm -hmm. you know, just really growing a passion for our story and our students, and, you know, that's, they're part of what keeps me coming back and keeps me wanting to watch the business grow, um, just the opportunities that we can give them and the education that they can get from it. You know, mm-hmm. it's something that I think as a prospective student coming in and being like, I can learn about dairy and ice cream and cheese. And this is awesome. Like yeah. it's been a really cool opportunity. Hmm. Great. Amanda, what about you? Um, well, I guess, um, thinking about from the cheese making side, mm-hmm. um, I think that, um, well, like I said before, I was always kind of like a hobby cheesemaker, and I made cheese with, like, friends of mine that had creameries. Um, It was always me learning, me me doing this, me me getting into that, and, you know, reading this book on my own and stuff. And um, it it made sense to me. I got it. But then when I got here, now I'm the teacher. So um, I didn't know that, I one, it would be so hard to explain (laughs) cheesemaking (laughs) to students. 
And two, I didn't know that I would love it so much, um, explaining peacemaking. And um, so I guess it's like a two-sided coin. Um, My my passion for it has definitely come out more. I really enjoy talking about it. And I I get really excited when, you know, the students are just there staring at me. They're like, whoa, tell me more. I'm really interested in this. And it's like, Mm -hmm. wow, it's like, you know, there's actually more people that are really into this stuff that I thought I was only into kind of thing. Yeah, that's Um, great. So that's been really cool to pass on that knowledge Hmm. to the students. It, it makes sense to me that it, it often feels like it winds up that like the thing you're most passionate about also in some way winds up being the hardest thing, which yeah. I don't know, I guess in that's... my head, it totally makes sense. But then <laughs> yeah. I have to explain to someone that, you know, doesn't know a or B I, I'm like, okay, let's backtrack. <laughs> Let me start here. <laughs> well, so, it sounds... yeah, it's been a challenge for me. <laughs> sounds like you're doing a great job. Amanda and Jen, thank you so much for joining me on air today. I can't believe it, but we're already at the end of our episode. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with more Cutting the Curd. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.